Hello, friends. Uncle Marv here with another episode of the IT Business Podcast presented by NetAlly. This is an audio podcast. So if you're looking for the video feed, you're not going to find it. But I can tell you that after we get done with this, the guest and I are going to be planning a live session soon. So you'll be able to see him in person. And my guest that I am talking about is Bobby Gillespie, founder and principal of Proper Design. Bobby, how are you? Uncle Marv, I'm great. Thanks for having me. All right. Now, uh, let me set the stage here and let my listeners know one of my goals this year was to bring in different points of view, different perspectives, some new guests that would provide insight into business into marketing, into all aspects of how we as managed service providers, IT service providers run our businesses. And you have fit that bill because you're not one of the standard guests that I usually have on the podcast. So first of all, thank you for agreeing to come on the show. Well, it's my pleasure. Thank you. And and I, and I meet all those requirements no matter what the audience is. So... <laughs> Uh, so let me see if I can describe you properly. You are a brand growth expert, so mm-hmm. it doesn't necessarily tag you as solely marketing. And one That's of the right. things that I have liked when I first heard about you, and of course I stalked you before I asked you about being a guest <laughs> and listening to your stuff, is a lot of the things that you've talked about are not really about you know marketing and not about your brand. Uh, because so many people think of brand as your logo, your website, your right. uniform. You go far, far beyond that. So do I have it correct so far? Absolutely. Yep. Yep. All right. Um, can you describe me what I, just for me and the listeners, what I might be missing? So in, in terms of practicality of what we do, uh, we do get into design. We do get into marketing in terms of our company, but where we start like you said, is at the very foundation of your company. So we want to understand where you came from, your vision of where you're going. We want to know what your customers are up to. Uh, we want to know what your competition's up to. And having a full, you know, really high level uh, perspective on the company and the brand, um, we can come back and define brand. Um, but your company really helps us understand uh, re- the most important question that we want to empower our customers to ask and also have the courage and clarity to answer, which is what's best for the brand and our future customer. So th- that is something that we really want to push our customers to uh, get into a very uncomfortable place and dig deep and help us define that together. Because with that, information with that clarity we're able to do exactly that what's best for their brand not necessarily address common symptoms or superficial pain points we want to address the causation of these symptoms and that impacts all areas of the business all right and so i mentioned earlier uh, you know we talk about brand you know being more than a, a logo or right. A clever font, <laughs> or, or something. What, like. So, what is a brand? Well, that's well, my you know, like you said. Yeah, 
Uh, I know where you're going. So let's define brand. That's where we want to start here, right? So what is what is a brand? So the the origin of the term comes from like branding cattle, right? So like you you know that those sheep are yours or those those steer are, are not yours. Um, the first registered trademark was the Bass Owl Triangle uh, in uh, the UK. But brand today uh, has all sorts of different meanings to people. But the one meaning we really want to uh, really ingrain in people's heads is, is your brand is your reputation. So when you think about your logo and your website, your merch, your people, your, your, your messaging, your tone of voice, your building, whatever, all those different things send a message. And, uh, you know, Malcolm Gladwell is a well-known marketer and author, and I agree with him when he says everything is marketing uh, because everything is sending a message, everything, right? And what, how that message is received and how it makes people feel and what it makes them think of you, that's your brand. So when you say you know, folks would come and, and ask me over the years, is, is, do I have a good logo? I'm like, I don't know. I don't know anything about your company. I don't know anything about your industry. I don't know anything about your customers. I can, I can certainly critique it from a, a design perspective, uh, but it, how can anyone say what's right without knowing more? And the same thing applies to every aspect of a company, your website, is it a marketing hub for all your activity or does it just exist? Uh, either way, is it saying the right thing to the right people in the right way, inspiring them to take action? So, you know, there's a, there's a great saying that uh, people don't necessarily remember the last interaction they had with your brand, your company, but they remember how it made them feel. So when you're considering if your logo is appropriate, if your messaging is appropriate, if your website's appropriate, you think about the reputation you desire. Because whether you like it or not, you're going to get the reputation you deserve. So you better focus on earning the right reputation every day. And that's what we help our clients do. All right. That sounds about right. Because for many years, I didn't consider any of that. And a big example is my website where I had a a crappy 1997 style website <laughs> didn't really do much. And I didn't care about it because I'm like, nobody mm -hmm. goes to my website back then. You know, you pick mm -hmm. up the phone, you call somebody. It was all mm -hmm. about that. But now, I mean, I've, I've noticed by doing this podcast, people go to my website an awful lot. So I'm like, mm -hmm. it look good. But now I'm also learning. It better feel good. You know, if somebody yeah. emails or somebody calls and said, yeah, I tried to look at your site. It, it wasn't working. That's part of the brand. I'm surprised that they reached out to you because that's like a red flag, right? And people, oh, well, that was you know, your website. <laughs> so, you know, I, I do want to speak to that. That's a really good point. You know, business is a, you know, it's an infinite pursuit, right? And there, you shouldn't consider things as wins or losses, but you just think about it at how uh, Simon Sinek puts it. It's like, you just... You decide how you're going to play the game, right? And, you know, sometimes 
Well, not sometimes, all the time. You have to decide as a strategic leader of your of your company, of your brand, what's good enough for us. Set a bar for good enough because you know you don't need to spend uh, you know upwards of six figures plus on your website. That's not. We need to really have a clear case as to why that's best for the brand and best for your future customers. So establishing what's good enough for your brand, setting the bar, right? No one can see this, but my, but my hands above my head, setting a bar, right? Your bar for good enough should be exceptionally high and everything should meet that bar, that standard. And you know, having a check the box website. So when people, if you're getting your business from referrals and relationships and and things like that, fine. You're, it's you know, it just needs to check out. Just needs to convey that you you exist. Here's a way to contact you. Here's a way to hire you. Here's who you help. Uh, here's what you do. Like conveying that in a simple manner, making it really easy for people to identify. Okay, yeah, uh, Uncle Mars Company's right, right, right for me. I'm going to reach out, or I've already connected with them. This seems legit. Feels right to me in my gut. So. But but what we what we kind of fit into the equation is when there's a plateau, and that's what you're sensing now. Like it's no longer good enough, and that's the case all the time when we're constantly improving and, and trying to grow our business in a sustainable fashion. So when no, it's no longer good enough, right? We have you know a Squarespace website, we have a logo, we spent a couple hundred bucks on. It's good enough for now. But there comes a point where you hit, you know, a, a, a peak. Where like we want to keep going. None of this stuff feels right anymore, and we know it in our in our gut. And that's where you have to reach out to somebody who's going to really help dig in and say, "Okay, that yeah, that's the past. What's your vision for the future? And let's optimize the brand for that future state now as we build into that." All right. All right. I want to go and talk about authentic branding, but before we do, let's take people back a little bit. I've mentioned that I've, you know, seen you around. I've listened to a couple of other podcasts. I've heard your story, but my listeners have not. So mm-hmm. let's dig into who is Bobby G. And I should probably say that your name is Bobby Gillespie, but the industry knows you as Bobby G. And yep. your company, yeah. your company is proper, spelled P-R-O-P-R. Correct. So how do we go back and learn about you? And I don't right. know if you want to start before proper or at proper, but wherever you'd like to begin in that journey. Uh, the, I mean, this could be, you know, we could, we can make this into an epic, but um, to, to accelerate through who the hell am I and why should you care? Um, well, the, the, the latter is up to you to decide, but uh, I've been a designer um, I started in the web in 99. So back in the day, uh, before the dot-com bubble, I was there, uh, you know, but there was, a, I've always been a creative person. My parents really, um, fostered that in me and, uh, it, it it's really allowed me to use my curiosity and desire to solve problems in a creative manner. Uh, I, I worked my way up through different agencies I have three college degrees. Um, I'm just have like this insatiable desire to learn. I love, you know, college can be really expensive and and not worth it in some some regards uh, when you balance it out. 
but uh, I love learning new shit all the time. And that's one thing I could say is that with, with all that education experience, I've learned a lot over the years. Um, I reached kind of the peak of working for others. I was a creative director of a, uh, a mid-sized e-commerce and digital inbound marketing agency. Uh, I left that in 2014. And uh, I was kind of like, I wasn't sure what I was going to do, but I was really excited about whatever it was I was going to do. And slowly but surely, uh, the entrepreneurial uh, infection took over and there was no choice but to start my own business. Also, it became a really terrible employee because I got so many ideas and I want to improve everything all the time. Uh, it's really hard to do that when they're telling you to sit down and shut up. I was so, going to ask you about uh, that because I, I've heard you and you've always said you were terrible. So I wanted to know, did you find out you were terrible while you were an employee or after you became your own your own owner or solopreneur? That's a really good question. Um, I think I truly recognized it and embraced it once I started my own company. Okay. Um, but a lot of my frustrations uh, working for others were around not having the empowerment and, and uh, really um, autonomy to be engaged with my job, uh, to know how my contribution made a difference. Uh, I got bored really easily uh, because I want to be challenged. And when I wasn't challenged and I wasn't engaged by the company and I was just another person on the staff, um, that boredom becomes very dangerous because uh, you know that, that idle mind just doesn't sit still. So fortunately, the, uh, before I moved into the full-blown agency side, I was in-house. And my last in-house job, uh, after a few months of being there, I got incredibly bored. Uh, so I started to go, I went to grad school and I use that as an opportunity to improve myself and learn a lot. Okay. And then I, then I transitioned to the agency world and that was more, more of a better fit for me. Uh, but not to get in the weeds. Uh, but that, you know, that was four years. I was able to do that before it all bored me to death. Now, when you say the agency life, for a lot of us that are just pure tech or business owner minded, mm -hmm. talking about outside or outsourced marketing slash PR slash whatever agencies. So is that the the realm you're you're speaking? Yeah, I uh I worked at um I worked at a marketing agency that um did a lot of uh had a lot of government contracts. So it was it was pretty dry work. And then I worked at a brand development marketing agency that worked with higher ed. So we did a lot of the stuff that you would get in the mail or your kids would get in the mail when the schools are interested in them applying. Um, I quit that after 11 months because it was boring. And then I worked at a small design shop, uh, you know, graphic design that worked with more, more um, government agency type stuff. Uh, and I quit that after five months uh, because that was incredibly boring as well. Uh, they didn't use me. I didn't have anything to do. So I was then recruited to be the creative director of that agency I mentioned. And for two, I was there for two and a half years. For two years, it was 
it was pretty challenging and fulfilling uh, that last half a year. It just went south. Um, so yeah, what we were doing is is designing identities, designing marketing materials, designing campaigns, designing and building websites, all that all that type of stuff on the agency side. We didn't do advertising. We didn't do. I never did video. I didn't do public relations. So there's different sort of niches. But in terms of creative and marketing, design and writing, I was always involved with that. Okay. So it sounds odd that somebody would say, yeah, I got bored, so I went to grad school. <laughs> um, was your degree in grad school <laughs> related to what you're doing now? Or are you like yeah. some of the other people where you're like, yeah, I went and got a degree in psychology, but I don't use it? No, uh, so funny, uh, going back to undergrad, my first three years of college, I was a science major. Um, I just had, didn't have any guidance into like the world of graphic design and agencies and illustration and web and stuff. Well, web didn't really exist back then, but, um, so, uh, I do love science, but I don't love it enough to commit my life to it. And three in my junior year of college, uh, me and two friends took a road trip down to uh, Florida for spring break. And it wasn't a party. It was just a chill. And we stopped uh, the one person we were with. Uh, her brother went to school at Savannah College of Art and Design. And we stopped there for the day to sleep because we drove all the way through from Philly. It was a long ride. Um, and I was like, it was just like an epiphany, like an, an, an eye-opening experience. I'm like, what the hell is everybody doing here? And they're doing animation, illustration, graphic design. And after the week at the beach, we drove back to Philly. I went into the, the uh, dean of sciences at the school I was at. And I was like, I'm, I'm in the wrong, I'm doing the wrong thing. And uh, she just came from uh, the University of Arts in Philly, which... There's a big art school there. And she's like, well, let's get you the hell out of here. So I left and went to art school. I went for fine arts for a year to just kind of hone my skills. And then I I got a two-year degree in animation. And then I was at university previously for science. They started a digital art multimedia program. So I, I emailed her, called her. I don't even know if I had email yet. And she was like, We'll love to have you back. So I went back for another year and a half and I learned about HTML and websites and IT and, uh, uh, you know, in, in 1999, 2000, learned all about this stuff that I wasn't exposed to before. It was kind of in its infancy, except for the IT was moving from uh, analog to digital. Uh, so I learned a lot about that, but it was applicable to the web and uh, it kind of reset my whole career. And when I moved to Baltimore in 07, I got quickly got bored by that job. Uh, I got a degree uh, from the University of Baltimore in, um, I don't know what it's called now, but it's basically graphic design and writing. So it's like the, the, the two... Uh, focuses are on that, which is great because a good designer should be uh, well-read and be able to write well as, and vice versa. Okay. So that went a little further than we wanted to go, but I was interested when you said that. So, so from being- There's a, a lot. It's an unusual journey, uncle, but uh, it's been, it's been interesting. Well, we've had that. I've had my own journey. We'll chat about that sometime because- 
people don't understand. And um, when I talk about the fact that I was the volunteer director at a humane society, and what does that have to do with tech? Oh. Nothing. <laughs> so, all right. So you that has a lot to do with the puppies, though. <laughs> yes, the puppies and the kids, which is important. <laughs> uh, so then, uh, so you go through this um, entrepreneurial seizure, as yeah. um, as Michael Gerber calls it, and mm-hmm. go out on your own. And then, so is that when you started Proper Design? Yeah, it wasn't the original name. The original name was Creative Foundation. Uh, and that was because when I started the company, I had clients just, just materialize out of nowhere. Uh, a lot of the other agency people were like, we've been waiting for you to be out on your own. And I had agencies as clients. I would rebrand local agencies uh, when I started the company, which is rare. And we still do it. Uh, that's definitely not a focus of ours. Uh, but we just rebranded a marketing agency out of North Carolina last year. Uh, we 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 bring in a different perspective. So um, it became proper. It's actually proper, just proper now. We got rid of the design because you know you're constantly assessing your situation and your brand. And while design is a big part of what we do, uh, it's too labeled. Uh, what we're doing is a lot about, you know, advising and strategizing before we push any pixels or write any words. Okay. All right. So you started that in, what was it? 2014. Mm -hmm. And so here we are nine years later and I have to assume that you're loving it. Uh, it's not boring. I'm not bored. (laughs) Take 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 that for what you will. Um, it's not easy, right? And right. that's good because I like to be challenged. I like to test my metal. Um, and my team and my wife will probably say uh, I'm full of shit with that. But it's it, it's I like to be out of my comfort zone. Uh, I like to improve. And um, I would say that the first five years of the business was. Uh, and this is probably the case with most businesses, at least in my experience, is R&D. You're just figuring it out right? because we don't know what we're doing and we still don't know what we're doing. And we need to be honest with ourselves about that. And that's okay. right? We have to let our ego go. But what we have to commit to is a few things. One is constant improvement. And there's a great word, Kaizen, uh, which, which is applied to product design and software, but we apply it to just a, a mindset of where can we be better? And uh, the second, second thing we got to commit to is not predicting the future, but thinking about it. And those are the things that establish us as leaders that we're, we're setting a vision for a future state that doesn't exist. Then we have to surround ourselves with the right people who can optimize the present to ensure that we reach that future state. So let me then ask this question and we're going to kind of delve back into the topic here, because it sounds like you went through a lot of the same things that you're asking your clients to go through when you talk about, they need to have clarity. But so for some reason I got stuck on this term, authentic branding Mm -hmm. and I understood that, and let me know if I'm wrong, that you have to learn who you are 
and what's important and not necessarily what's important to you, but what's important to your clients. Right. So do I have that right? Yeah, it really comes from your purpose. So when you think about the foundation, think about your brand and your your business operations from understanding who we are all the way to converting customers uh, as a pyramid. And at the foundation of that pyramid, there's business, right? And your business doesn't define you. Your business just has to be something that's viable, whether it's a product or service. And your business exists to uh, make, make a difference, right? Provide a product or service as well as to be successful. And part of what success is, there's a number of metrics in there that are important. Uh, the only metric is not money, but obviously we're here to make money, uh, but that's not the number one metric. So focus on what metrics matter most, as including money as not the only sole metric. Uh, so once we go beyond like, yeah, we have a business idea, we have a plan. Okay. What's our purpose? What are we trying to do? And for whom? Right. So purpose doesn't necessarily have to be a noble cause. Saving the rainforest or, or saving the whales or whatever. Sure. Those are important. Absolutely. Uh, your business purpose shouldn't be destroying those things. Uh, but your, your purpose is really like, who are you helping? Why are you helping them? How are you helping? Right? Why do you do this? What makes you feel fulfilled about? It? How do you get energy from this? What parts of it are important to you? And when you're defining your purpose, you also have to define like what you won't stand for and what you what is non-negotiable. So that takes the next step up, and that's your brand foundation. Your brand foundation is made up of your core values, and we hear that all the time. But your core values are three or four things that are non-negotiable aspects of your business. And a great way to think about them, uh, you know, w- with on your own or with your team, is is really jot down and brainstorm what are the things that we would literally go out in the street and fight over. Like, what will we not stand for? But what do we also insist has to happen every time? And that gives you so that just puts parameters around what's right for us. Because we can't be right for everybody. So get your point of view out there, lead with your values, connect with your customers on what's important to you and what's important to them, and you'll have better conversations versus attracting the wrong fit, no matter what. You could do the work, sure, but it's the wrong fit for all these other reasons. Like It's not going to be worth it. That money is going to come at a really steep cost. It's not going to be worth it, right? So then you build on, okay, all right, we got our purpose. We have our values. What's our mission? And how do we message that? And that's about how you, what you do, what you're doing for whom, right? And again, back to Simon Sinek starts with why, why we're doing it. And lastly, it's your brand's personality. So with your brand's personality established, you have your tone of voice. You can say what's, what's appropriate in terms of visual static, word choice. Like we we're irreverent, right? We like that. Um, but we're no BS. We're very direct. And a great exercise that you and your listeners can do to establish your brand personality is just link it to a, a famous person, past, present, 
uh, real fiction, doesn't matter. That way you can make it more approachable and understandable. So that's the foundational aspect of everything you do. Now, how does that translate into authentic branding? Well, it's real, right? It's not, it's not a gimmick. It's not a hack. This is who we are, right? And you think about when you are your authentic self, no one can compete with you on being you. So that's a great differentiator. It's the best differentiator because you don't have to prop up this house of cards. And sooner or later, people are going to figure out that you're full of shit if you're full of shit or if it's lies, right? It's going to come back and haunt you. And eventually, it's going to come back and haunt you in a way that may just destroy your business or destroy your reputation or your legacy. And all those things are too important to leave to gimmicks and hacks. So that being yourself, both as an individual and as a part of the brand and the brand being itself as well. You think about business, right? They don't really exist. They're just an idea. So how do you want to be known? You have the ability to, to, to mold that. And really, like the, the impact comes from everything, where you park your car, how you drive, how you talk to people, what you do to be compassionate or inca- not compassionate with your staff, how you treat your customers. And when I started the company, one of the reasons that I didn't want to work for another agency is that it's become, become very, very transactional. And I'm not a transactional person. I like to meet the people and I like to establish some sort of relationship with them and understand what their true, their true problems are and not just sell them what they're asking for because chances are they don't know what they need. They just know what they want. So we focus on, let's, let's get rid of all the excess. Let's define what your brand's all about so we know what's right and you know what's right and your whole staff knows what's right. And we can be consistent everywhere. But also we can we can focus on doing what's best for the brand, doing what's best for the customer, doing what's best for the team, right? There, it doesn't have to be deception and manipulation in all this. It could just be re- lots of realness and kindness and be great at business. Yeah. So it's funny that you mention the term transactional. And I'm going to take a quick minute here, and it's going to sound like a horrible trans transition. But first, I want to say thank you. You had sent me a copy of your book. And pleasure. For those, for those listeners who have never heard me curse, I'm going to do it now. The name of the book is called <laughs> Build Your Brand Like You Give a Shit. And uh, it's uh, tagline, Embrace Your Purpose and Unleash Your Potential by Bobby Gillespie. So I'm going to have a link to this on Amazon because I do think... Every one of you out there should get a copy of this book. But you mentioned you. you mentioned two transactional, and yeah, I did yeah. read your book, so don't think that. Uh, but chapter seven is t- titled "Two Transactional," and mm-hmm. I've got a bunch of questions related to that. We probably won't get to them all, but all right. But first, I want to say that our industry, and, and I'll speak from my perspective as a managed service provider, we are hyper-focused on being transactional. When we are told to go out and you know find clients and we're trying to put together our, our quote for them, our business, our scope of work, you know, it always begins with stuff like, well, how many endpoints do you have? How many users do you have? 
and we're being told to, you should be priced based on that. And that to me doesn't sound right because every user is different. Every client is different. And I do a hybrid of that. Now I do obviously have to count those things because there is a cost associated to supporting a computer, supporting a server, supporting a user. Right. But there's so many soft costs. That's not the right word. And if I figured out, I'll let you know. But some mm-hmm. customers, like, they they will pay more to get more attention. Yeah. And that's not based on how many computers they have or how many endpoints. Uh, some people don't want to be bothered. They're like, look, just what is it? What's the least amount it's going to cost you to support me that we don't have to, you know, hang out and interact and that I don't feel like you're, you know, sitting in my office for half a day billing, billing and milking me for time. So uh, I like the fact that your concept uh, talks about that and to stop being transactional. Before I ask you about that chapter, I should probably ask you this. So when you wrote this book, did you write it thinking that it would be a book on business? Yeah, because uh, I, I when uh, I was explaining, you know, talking about it with, with friends and colleagues and whatnot, I said, I wrote a, you know, a lot, most people know me as a designer. I've, I've been a designer most of my career. Uh, but I, I say, I wrote a book on branding that has nothing to do with design because there's so much more in that. Your design is an expression of something else. It's an expression of the reputation that you desire and you're working towards every day. And that's what we want people to talk about, the reputation. Say if you get a referral and a recommendation from somebody who's happy about you, and they say they'll say, "Uncle Marv's the man. Just hire him." That has nothing to do with your logo. Has nothing to do with your website. Has everything to do with how you made them feel, how you how you handled the situation, how you interacted with them, the value you provided. You know, all those things are are, are why we're in business. So of course, like you want to have a brand identity and a design system and a message system, digital stuff that is is on par. It, it reflects accurately the experience we would get with your brand and you and the people associated with your brand. There's an expectation set by that referral source. You're going to do right by them. Or you can say, oh, you know, hate Amazon. But sometimes it's the only place to get this or that. Yep. But despite that, everything about Amazon is terrible, in my opinion. From the demigod down. Listen, you're preaching to the choir because we have conversations (laughs) all the time about, we just had a conversation about supply chain issues. Yeah, where our distributors don't have product and our distributors don't give us enough margin to make money off those products. And our customers know that if they get the right part number, they can just go to Amazon and research it and buy it for themselves or we have to buy it for them. So I I get what you're saying there. So like, let's talk about that a little bit more. Like to become non-transactional, to break that, you know, it, the agency world is very transactional. Business in general is very transactional now because people are only measuring one metric, and that's profits. 
And like, I think it's because we've all been gaslighted into thinking that that's the only thing that matters. And it's not like our lives and our legacy and our balance and fulfillment and our, our place and our community and our, you know, all those things are also critical, but you have to break out of the standard operating procedures that everyone else does, right? You have to break down the stigma that your customers feel that like these guys are going to probably rip us off or bill us for stuff, even if they're not working, you know, or whatever the common pains are. Right. So I would say map all that out and then be very proactive about addressing it before it even comes up and put your, put your sort of billing, um, your billing protocols in a way that isn't tied to ours, right? We're not lawyers quantifying our existence at the law firm by charging for every 15 minutes of time. Like we all hate that. Right. And we all feel like it's taking advantage of us and it's crap, but you know, what's the value of providing? What, what are their challenges and pain points? How do they measure success? What are they really trying to accomplish? Are you really providing IT services or just peace of mind or support? You got their back. They know they can rely on you, right? Are they are you providing reports and and information about the previous months to see like hey, you know, whether it's security or whatever, like uh, or it's cost savings or it's managing some of the other vendors associated with IT. Like what is it that you're bringing to the table? that really is something that you're passionate about as a business that differentiates you, right? Because it's going to be what you truly care about, right? If you get really frustrated, like, like Amazon, right? You, you piss at Amazon, you piss at these, these vendors that want to sell direct to your, your customers. But you know, I could buy a compressor, but I'm not going to be able to put central air in my house. Like You need experts for it. And what what makes you pick this guy over that guy? Well, it's probably going to be a recommendation from somebody that's going to say, "Oh, yeah, these guys were good. They did a great job. They're you know uh, they're very responsive and they took care of it. And it was awesome. Like, great, made me feel awesome. I'm going to tell somebody that they're going to make them feel awesome too. So it doesn't have to be you know like you know we'll fix your car. We have all these tools to fix your car." Like, well, how are you going to know what you need to fix? And how are you going to know what's right for us? And how do we know what it's going to cost after the initial assessment to make sure that, one, it's something that we can afford, but two, like there's no surprises in, in the conversation. And I think that's just good business where we're just focusing on like what's important to them, what's important to us. And meeting in the middle, not compromising, but meeting in the middle and saying, okay, is this a right fit for us first? And is it a right fit for them second? And if it's no, great. If it's yes, even better. We, uh, we're we not going to get into the book <laughs> like I thought we would. Uh, we're going to run out of time here. But I do want to point out uh, for the listeners, first of all, get the book. I don't care what you do if you're another msp just starting out if you're a vendor listening to this 
uh, get the book. And now your book is divided. It's made to be read. It's made to be read. Under 180 pages. Made yep. to be read. And pretty simple. Now you've you've divided up is yeah just the two parts. The first part, uh, be yourself, mm-hmm. and be great at business. And you've got some chapters on that. And then the second part was I can't find it real quick, but it is um, uh, building. But it's something to do with. Building your brand the right way. The right way, yes. Which is what we yeah. were starting to talk about and get into. Um, that that chapter that we talked about it being too transactional, there were a couple of parts in there, one of which that stuck out to me, and you mentioned it in your history, that a lot of us have started because we got fed up at work and figured we could do it better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but then we found ourselves working you know, 50, 60 hours, um, not balancing work life. And the page that I marked in here where um, I don't even know where this starts because I don't see a question, but the line says, fuck, no, that's not a good thing. That's not why we start our own businesses. Right. Like, did we, did we start our own business to work to death? No. No. But then we get focused on, well, I just got to make as much money as possible. And then everything goes to the wayside. And then we don't understand why clients get pissed at us and, you know, why we're not getting referrals. You know, we send out, we send out postcards and new letters, but why is anybody calling? Well, I think yeah. your book is going to help. Um, very interesting. What would be... Oh, you know what? Here's the question I did want to ask you. Uh, I heard a story and I don't remember all the details, but I don't know. If, and I don't, I didn't see it in the book, but you were talking about early in the process when you were meeting with a client and you had already had a few meetings with uh, owners, managers, and you were designing, you know, their, yeah. their brand, their identity. And there was a meeting where somebody new showed up and oh the uh <laughs> this was an espresso maker company and okay. we were just before I started proper. Um but this was the this was the event that put a problem on my mind that I spent years trying to solve. And it's the proto uh frameworks that we are able to define what's best for the brand and what's best for the future customer. And here's a quick here's a quick kind of uh, summary of that event. I was a creative director of an agency. Uh, we were doing an enterprise uh, e-commerce website for this client. We went through information architecture, which is you know how the content flows to a conversion point throughout your whole website and an enterprise website. It's complicated. Uh, especially e-commerce, uh, the user experience, so how things are set up. And then when we got into the user interface, so how, how it's designed, what it looks like. Uh, and we had uh, a great reception throughout the process. I was there with, with uh, our project, man- project management lead, myself, um, and probably an account manager was in the meeting. And I don't know where they were in the world, but we were in Baltimore uh, on this conference call and we're walking through the design process. It's a very iterative process because we hate 
you know, big jumps back if it doesn't feel right. We like small steps, um, progressing forward, even if we have to go back a little bit. Um, so we uh, were presenting, I was presenting these designs to the client and it got real weird. It got contentious. Uh, there was, uh, we met with the CEO from, you know, only the CEO and maybe someone else, um, you know, not very like memorable in terms of what their role was. Uh, you know, this is going back to like 2012. Uh, but his wife was on the call this time. And when we presented the designs, she was hurt by the direction we were going in. And uh, the call did not go well. She was very combative and defensive. And he was very quiet. So the, the, the meeting ended and we're like looking at each other like, what the hell just happened? And in comes the owner of the agency we worked with, and he's living. He's yelling. He's kind of making a fool of himself. And we explained to him. We did, I explained it. We did nothing wrong here. We followed our process and our program. They hired us to redesign this website and rebuild it. We had no idea his wife designed it. And she was emotionally attached to the website, despite them paying six figures, in, somewhere in the six figures, for us to redesign and rebuild this thing. So like, they didn't work that out. But hey, it's his spouse. So they fired us. And at that moment, I'm like, how do we prevent this from ever happening again? And I had no impact on sales. So I couldn't evaluate the client from that point. But what I could do and what I started researching and reading and writing and putting together like discovery and questionnaires and testing out different things. And it was great. I was getting paid to do it while I was at someone else's agency. Uh, but that came with me because it was my stuff, my IP. And really what, what, what came out of that was eliminating the whims and egos of the client and making it about the brand. What's best for their company is what's best for the brand and what's best for their future customer. Their current customer, as long as they're servicing them well and they're, they're communicating that things are changing for the better, they'll come along with you. You might lose some, great, but you'll gain more if you're looking towards the future. So I, I'll never forget that event. I'm pretty sure it's in the book. I don't know if it we might have I, cut I, it out. Uh, well, I probably, I, I now, so I stopped at chapter eight which was the problem solving one. So the last two, which I was hoping to get to by the time we, uh, we came up because build your tribe and take care of yourself were two things. I'm like, Oh, I want to, I want to get to those, but I, I stuck yeah. myself on chapter two. Uh, don't focus on winning, right. uh, build your reputation. So I was kind of focused on that and, uh, hadn't got through it. So maybe it's in there. Um, I but, talk about that story a lot, so it's probably it's on different media we've put out. But it's important; it's an important lesson. And a lot of, a lot of my friends uh, and colleagues are designers, or they know designers. Their 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 children or spouses are designers, and that's the number one complaint: is clients derailing projects because oh. of things like I don't like it, 
or my wife doesn't like it, or my husband doesn't like it, or my nephew, they said he could do a better job. Like you can't argue with that because it's nonsense. But what you can do uh, is what it started out for me is being able to use their words against them, quite honestly. So if we said like, okay, who's your target audience for your message and who's your brand for and who are you servicing? Well, if it's, you know, women 18 to 30, then we can really hone in on what, what's popular to them, what resonates with them, what in terms of our purpose is important to them. Like, let's be authentic and, and relevant and build trust with them. So when they're ready to buy, they already identified that it's us. And then we stay relevant and, and fresh in their mind by doing some general advertising and marketing. But, you know, but then the CEO is, uh, you know, a 65 year old man. And they say, I don't like it. I say, I don't care. It's not, it's not for you. For you. <laughs> yeah. Unless you're, you're identify as an 18, 19 year old woman, like you shouldn't, this shouldn't resonate because these products and services are for them. So we have to do what's best for them. Also what's best for us in, yeah. in, the, in the process. And I took that concept and applied it to to my business because I'm dealing with situations where, you know, in our world, what's being required of IT providers is changing a lot to deal with security, but it's being changed by the insurance agency. So we're now mm-hmm. being asked to secure, you know, clients or else they won't get, you know, renew renewed insurance. So when they come to us and ask, yeah, as a web agency, like we do a lot of websites, we have to have that insurance too. Yeah. Uh, just to cover our ass. Yeah. And we <laughs> run into where, you know, somebody's like, well, you know, we've got this kid that's been doing our stuff. And I'm like, okay, well, can that kid provide all those requirements that the insurance company is asking you for? Right. You know, so, you, you know, yeah, you may love your kid or you may love your nephew or whoever it is, but is your nephew qualified to give you what you need to keep your insurance? And it really comes down to if something happens and then the insurance wants to come back and say, we're not going to pay you because if you let us take care of it and we do it right, you'll get, you'll get reimbursed. If you let your kid do it, you're probably not going to get reimbursed. Yeah. And I would say, you know, I would, uh, if you're asking my opinion about that, I would say keep, you know, they, they can keep the person in house. They can just be our point of contact mm-hmm. and they can, hold, they can get us answers from stakeholders internally that we don't have access to, or it's just too much red tape to be able to get in front of these people. Like keep that person on staff. Like you're going to need that person to be able to be on call or, or to be on site a lot more frequently. And as long as there's value there, so we're not here to replace them. We're here to make bring a different level of service that, you know, we're going to make sure you don't need all this rescue stuff, all this ransomware activity. Like we're gonna, we're gonna be ahead of all that and relying on, you know, this young fella, like just just weigh the the risk associated with that. Yeah. Or we'll be there to support them, you know, let them be the face, but all of the stuff that sure. goes to the stuff that you need, we'll provide that through this person and uh, get your compliance. So that'll work. 
Yeah. All right, well, Bobby, we're running out of time. I, I thought this was going to be a quick interview for an introduction. And of course, just like our discovery call, it went long. <laughs> so at least, you're- Hey, you know, it's, it's dangerous once you give me an open mic, but I, I, uh, hopefully that your listeners, uh, find this provocative and thought provoking and they get some value out of it. Well, like I said, I've already put in my two cents and think that, listen, as a marketing book, this is not something to read, but as a, as a business guidance book on how to build your brand, uh, this is perfect. And Thank you. there is a way that all of this can translate into our space. And I just did it with, you know, your, your transactional chapter, uh, being authentic, you know, social media is a big thing right now where everybody's pushing, you know, you've got to post to six different places every day and you've got to do, I'm not a social well, media guy. My clients are. Just ask why. I mean, it, just say why. And they're going to say, oh, because it worked for me. And it's just like that, that. Then you're talking dogma here. And there's a chapter on that. Right. Like there's there's, there's focus on what matters to your customers, where they're at, and then lead with authenticity. Pretty simple. You be you. All right, yeah. Bobby. Um, we are going to schedule uh, a live show with you hopefully soon. And yeah. when we get that, I will let everybody know. Uh, I will finish the book so we can go through that. And I encourage my listeners to get the book. Uh, I might make this uh, IT business book club topic. We may do that. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah, we we work for a lot of a lot of tech companies and IT managed services, cloud, telecom, and you know, you guys are great at what you do. We just bring a little bit of different perspective because we're wired different, and uh, you know, we really can we really help folks like you like make a difference. So everything in that book um, should should help you be better at running your business and building your brand. All right, so there you have it, folks. Bobby G. Brand Growth Consultant, founder and principal of Proper Design. Proper is spelled P-R-O-P-R. And the website, I'll have a link in the show notes, but it is properagency.com. And uh, right on the front page there, your reputation defines you. Is yours worth talking about? So I got you, Bobby. Thank you, Kamar. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And uh, folks, we'll be back with another, another episode soon. And until then, holla.